Hello, Neptune High students. Welcome back to Miku's Crackhouse. I'm your host as always, Sam Kingma. And joining me is my best friend and co-host, Miles J. Miles, a long time ago, we, we used, used to, to be, be friends, friends <laughs> but I haven't thought, haven't thought of, you of you lately at all. At all. That was so out of sync, by the way. I blame Riverside. I think I think we are talented singers. I know. Uh, me too. Me can too. I, can I just say? Um, so first of all, I just I think. Are you officially a Martian, Sam? Are you officially oh, a Martian? Oh, oh, I'm a Martian. I'm a mad Martian, bro. I, I'm a. I'm a. Is that the t is that the term no, for the fan base? I was, well, I was watching it. I was like, if they don't call themselves the Martians, what's the point? Uh, for anyone who didn't hear last week, uh, I got turned on to Veronica Mars. I also got turned on by Veronica Mars because Kristen Bell is Kristen Bell. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Kristen Bell. By the way, I so I got turned on to Veronica Mars because Miles turned me on to Veronica Mars. And it's just fucking awesome. That's <laughs> just the best show ever. It's so I knew, sick. I knew that this would be the most Sam Core show because it's like the, the big things about it are the high school setting, which you're a big fan of. You like high oh, school yeah. settings. But also the level of crimes and like the mysteries themselves are so nuts because I, I referenced Fillmore last week. <clears throat> yeah. And I and I, I love Fillmore, but Fillmore, there's like the comedy element of like, oh, it's a baseball card racketeering ring, right? Like classic police procedural stuff, but with a kid attitude to it. Where like, yes, this takes place in high school. Yes, it stars teenagers and kids, and so like the issue is like on a school wide scale. But the crimes themselves are like, oh, people are being scammed out of thousands of dollars yeah. because of a, a, a chat room, an internet chat room or whatever. You know, it's like, it's all like teenage stuff or, or like, yeah, no, a bunch of drugs went missing. People found crack cocaine in, in the locker of the, of the shy Christian girl and now Veronica's on the case. <laughs> like, the, the crimes are insane. I know it's it's awesome. It's fucking it's so good. And like one of my and you brought up Fillmore, a, a show I was another Disney show I was re reminded of when watching it was Kim Possible because you know how yes. Kim Possible's got the meme of basically the she is able to transport herself to all the missions due to favors she is owed from past successful missions. Yes. But what I like about Veronica Mars is it's the same shit except we see her build out her catalog of people and despite it being episodic you're rewarded for watching the show in order not only because the overarching narrative is fucking supreme it is supreme it's it crispy. is so good it's crispy it is so good i am so invested i i don't even know i'm not even gonna lie dude i'm kind of nervous to make the thumbnail for this episode because i know i want to feature <laughs> veronica mars stuff on it and i'm worried i'm gonna be met <laughs> with spoilers <laughs> like I, dude i'm dead ass serious i have not uh, been this spoiler averse right the, now the banner the hulu banner because it's just like kind of generic picture of oh, christian, Be christian that's Bell. a good idea that's yeah a good idea that should that should set you up nicely because, like, I, I don't want to, like, you know, pop, you know, pop on Google or whatever and look up, you know, Kristen Bell, Veronica Mars, and it's her fucking putting a cap in Logan or something. I'd be like, Jesus Christ, I didn't need that spoiled. 
I I I think I mentioned this after text uh, after texting you, and I was like, I would be impressed if you guessed who killed Lily Kane by the end of se- like before the end of season one, because I. I thought I was on the money. I genuinely thought I was on to something. I, my, my suspect changed like four or five times, and I was still wrong. Yeah, I need to. By so I'm, I'm only six episodes into season one so far, and, and already I have so much to say. It is because, Miles, you not only is it high school, which I'm also a big fan of, it is early 2000s high school. That's the big one. That's the big one. Everyone's got their what their like their necklaces, the little beaded ne- like Logan's Netflix uh, necklace is so two thousands. Yeah, the shark, yeah, little shark tooth. It's so good. Oh, it's so juicy, and the flashbacks are so blue. I, t- I you, told you, you right. Of, you heard of Breaking Bad in Mexico? Well, have you heard of Veronica Mars past? <laughs> Yeah, that's dude. We need we need to start getting color filters. So I'll be Breaking Bad Mexico, and you be Veronica Mars past. And, <laughs> I can and make that's that where happen. We, that's where we record from. We you're you're like yeah, I'm recording from uh from that party where Veronica Mars uh, got roofied. <laughs> dude, that's a crazy plot line that they just slip into the first episode. It's it's funny because like I'm not gonna spoil anything. It doesn't come up nearly as often as you'd think it should. Uh, but it does come up at, in a big, explosive episode. So, so they keep you waiting for it. But, but they got plans. They got plans. It's oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm super amped about that. Cause, dude, I told, I messaged you. Cause when I finished the pilot, I'm like, there's like ten mysteries I like really care about solving right now that I'm like really, really interested in. Um, and. It's mi- and it's like great mystery storytelling mixed with like teenage angst mixed with the 2000s era. It's like everything I I want out of like TV, you know. And, like, and it's funny because I think that Veronica Mars, like the Sam Core version of Veronica Mars, aired in 2004, right? Yeah. But the Sam who was Sam Core enough to enjoy Veronica Mars. Needed twenty years. <laughs> you needed twenty years to, we were to too cultivate early. that taste. Like it's just you needed that time. I, I I like to joke that Sonic Unleashed was released ten years too early. Facts. Uh, because yeah, because like that game on a technical scale is fucking brilliant. It's like it's literally that game is uh, ironically enough very leashed by the consoles that it was on. And yeah. so when you well, when you play it on a backwards compat, you know. Machine, it's like gorgeous 60, crisp 1080, looks great, performs perfectly. I, I, I agree with everything you just said. However, I, I feel like with the time passing, all we do is reflect back on what Unleashed did so well. Because that's, like, what was uh, memorable I was talking about, about the technical. The I was talking about yeah. the technical aspects. I feel like it more as, as like, a game, as, like, a game at, 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 as a whole, though. Beyond Werehog, which I actually think is, like, fine. It's just yeah, radically it's, it's okay. different. It's solid. The levels are too long. Um, that's the real issue. Which, yeah, again, that, that levels... goes back to what we always say, where people just don't know how to speak. So they just, they just say, oh, Werehog sucks. It's like, 
there's a there's a specific problem there. It's like no, Werehog wears me out, dude. The Wii, what's fu what's fucking sad is the Wii and PS2 versions fix the problem by splitting up the forty minute levels into like ten minute acts. <laughs> so it's you can take a break, you know. You don't have to like finish all a Chunan in one go, and that's one of the shorter ones too, at like twenty five minutes. Um. But that's enough about Unleashed. I want to talk more about Veronica Mars. I yeah yeah. The basically Veronica Mars was twenty two was twenty years too early for Sam. For me, yeah, because it, Veronica Mars was always one of those names I just heard. You know, I I kind of associated it in like the Buffy like yes. core. It's kind of a similar shit. like the snarky teen, like attractive teen who's doing like the man's work. You know, yeah. like, PI stuff is very like. Supernatural on yeah. CW also kind of fits this whole vibe, and like that's yeah, obviously that's that's not the same. Like that's not that that sort of like Whedon esque. Like Veronica Mars needed a post Joss Whedon world to get greenlit, whereas I think Supernatural just kind of needed a post like teeny bopper world. Like so, so anything of that caliber where it stars like high school students doing sort of exceptional things. Yeah. And and also I think I think they're a bit older in Supernatural, but that's neither here. Yeah, they're, they're it's like, like a mystery style procedural. They're just doing they deal with supernatural stuff. I've only seen one episode one of the characters went to hell. It was a little weird. Um I think that's the finale of the show. Oh no, I think they go to hell numerous times throughout okay, the okay. the run of the this this series. I just I like to imagine it's like spawn hell. Where it looks terrible, like oh awful no, CGI. like the movie, the movie Spawn Hell, yeah, yeah, the movie. God, that movie is, oh, that movie, that movie is like so boring, like it's un, it's actually unbelievable. <laughs> that's that's a big question. I I had a question for you. Um, I mean, are you? I'm assuming you're not done with Veronica Mars, so I'll, I'll say. I mean, we'll get back to it. I want to hear your question. Okay, yeah. So so first of all, I wanted to talk about nostalgia because yeah. I mentioned Cum Sub, the famous uh, Vine, right? It was a Vine. Yeah. Give me the, me cum, the cum Sub. sub. Give me your cum! Like, and so, I, I mentioned that video, because I was talking about the, the new A- Well, not that new, but, like, the AI Whopper commercial, um, where it's like, You can fuck this burger. You can stick your dick all inside this burger. And it's in the voice of, like, the, 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 the Whopper, the Burger King guy. Yeah. Whoever that guy is. He's clearly black. That's all I know. Um, it would be funny if that guy was white. I, similar to, like, did you watch Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah, of course. I think I mentioned, but there's this one guy who's like he sings like "I'm just a bill" and uh, "Mr. Morton." Yeah, prepositions. He's got that very deep voice. I assumed he was black. He's just a white guy. Uh, he's just got a very soulful, deep voice, uh, and like this like Louisiana accent. I don't well, know what's up with I'm that. I'm just a bill. Yes, yes I'm, I'm only a bill. bill. And I thought he was like yeah, okay, like like. Birmingham black man, you know, like that's kind of what I thought. Um, but no, he's some white dude. Uh, but yeah, like 
and and I brought up cum sub, and you said, "Dude, I just got hit with a wave of nostalgia." Yeah, and like nostalgia is almost a weaponized word. The the context that I hear nostalgia in is anytime anyone says, "Oh, Mario sixty four, what a great game," it's like you got your nostalgia goggles on, you gotta take them off. You'll see that that Lobo destroys better. Oh, like, oh no, yeah, shit like shit like that, right? Where people people are just. I, I think I mentioned this, where people are just mad that they still have to talk about something they don't like, um, and and they and the more that they scream, ah, it fucking sucks! Like the more they kind of hope everyone will stop liking universally liked things. Um, but like you hear nostalgia, and obviously nostalgia when people reference it for themselves is usually a very positive connotation. But like yeah. people only ever talk about nostalgia for things that are really like that are really. You know, I think I think that are culturally significant that people have held on to because they mattered so much to them. You know, old Star Wars, even though you can't really watch old Star Wars again, right? Having nostalgia for cum sub is insane. But it made me realize that I also absolutely have nostalgia for stupid internet garbage. And I was curious if you had another example, because I have an example of stupid internet garbage, and I'm not talking like Homestar Runner or Fred or like, you know, institutions, things that people like probably really remember watching and talking about. Um, There's got to be others of these like old Shane Dawson videos, Breaking NYC, things that are like older, but institutional. I am talking about like stupid videos, Uh, like otter garbage not smash tasm basically y- yeah stuff that that you could that is art and is crafted and, and people are <laughs> fond of i'm talking about garbage yeah like so more like individualized like videos yeah commercials like, I, I, a lot of people have commercial nostalgia too things like yeah that. wait when you say commercial nostalgia do you mean nostalgia for literal commercials or yes, for literal commercials yeah. well i gotta be honest with you miles i think this Com- uh, commercials are w- when I see old commercials, I think they are way more nostalgic than like old like TV shows or movies from the era because like commercials only exist during this time frame, and then yes. they don't unless you are a Christmas commercial, you do Warm not come back around. Mary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Happy July, everyone. Happy yeah. June. Uh. <laughs> Long stay of the year tomorrow. Can't wait. Um, the whereas like with more because the reason why I feel nostalgia for all this internet shit is just because like this this was my TV at a certain point. Like once I became like eleven, twelve years old, I stopped really watching like Cartoon Network and TV like regularly and was much more online. Um, and on YouTube. Um, and before uh, before that, Newgrounds. Um. I remember, like, the... Do you remember the Sonic versus Mario, like, Flash cartoon oh, that yeah. played Breaking Benjamin? Where, where they fight the, the all the, the, the Luigi clones? Yes, that's a good and one. And it has, like, multiple alternate endings. That, sh- that shit gives me nostalgia-fueled injections. But, like... That was the Alvin Earthworm, too, while we're on the subject. Alvin Earthworm and his masterpiece, Super Mario Bros. Z. Oh, of course, of of, Which of course. That went hard animation wise. Oh yeah, ridiculous. Z's super cool. D- isn't he like redoing it now? Is Maybe he, like, I mean, I hope it? I hope so. Like, I would He's... I would watch that. 
Uh, Nazo, if we're on Flash cartoons, the Sonic Flash cartoon, Nazo, who's like a very infamous, popular OC character um, for Sonic people around that era. I, I was reading a really interesting thread today. That I, so this is connected, kind of, all, all, all connected, where I, it, it, it was a trend on, on Reddit where it was the meme of like the small book and its character's appearance in media, and then it's the huge textbook, and it's popularity for said character and it was posted in the sonic reddit like what character this this belongs to and one of the top comments was dark sonic from sonic x who appears for for like 30 seconds he's in one scene in the entire show yet dark sonic is like a super iconic character in the the sonic fandom and in sonic fan art and it's so funny reflecting because that comes from sonic x and it's really funny how sonic x is responsible for so much of the negative Sonic discourse of my era, of, like, the mid to late 2000s. Other Sonic heads out there will will know what I'm talking about, but, like, Sonic having too many friends, like, that's only really a thing in, like, Sonic Heroes, you know? Sonic has too many friends in Sonic X, you know? Like, Chris Thorndike was annoying in Sonic X, yet I feel like that's not a name you've, you've heard in years, Miles. No, yeah, I bet no you haven't thought about Chris, Chris Thorndike in years. Yeah. Because Sonic X is just not like this relevant thing anymore because enough time has passed to where it's not airing anywhere. TV is not like this thing people still watch. You'd have to go out of your way as a Sonic fan to watch Sonic X if you're like, let's say you're getting to Sonic and you're like 15 right now in 2023. And you're like getting into Sonic and you like the newer games or whatever. And you played some of the classics and you want to check out the other media. You have to seek out. Sonic X. And it's not worth seeing. You know, but thinking about dark Sonic gaming nostalgia. Yeah, it's it's it is weird what what is nostalgic because like I'm more nostalgic for games I played in high school than I am for games I played in child. I mean my my the proof that I am like immune to nostalgia as a critical thing, um and I, and I think I just have this chip on my shoulder as, like, Ocarina of Time's strongest soldier in, in an era where, to be perfectly honest, 4% of the populace are trying to, to trying to convince you it's a bad game. This is, like, not actually a real problem. Everyone likes this game for the most part. It's just a very loud amount of people who, who very much want you to know. Because you'll see, you'll see a comment on, like, a top 10 Zelda games list that's like, yeah, Ocarina of Time's always gonna be my favorite, like, 500 likes. And then someone's just like, yeah, the most overrated game ever, 30 likes. And it's like, <laughs> no big deal, right? You know? Like, it's, it's no big deal. But, like, the amount of, like, of just discourse that these people are trying to generate about how overrated it is, and especially the responses that it gets. The amount of people who are like, I agree, I disagree, like, it makes you think that it's bigger than it is. And so, like, there's all these arguments that bother me. Mario 64 is the exact same issue, by the way. Like, the more I see... Mario 64, I would honestly say, needs more soldiers. I think too many people are trying to deplatform Mario 64 nowadays. That's Ocarina ridiculous. Of Time, Ocarina of Time is still kind of like a whatever thing. Like, a lot of people don't really like it or dig it. Um, but Zelda's such a... I taste. feel like... Like, I think that if someone doesn't like Ocarina of Time because they just don't dig Zelda, like, totally get it. Or, like, they just prefer the more, like colorful zeldas i totally get it like mario 64 you there it's the identity of mario so there's no aesthetic taste or problem there like ocarina of time a lot of, and link to the past a lot of people are like oh it's too vanilla mario 64 
looks and sounds roughly the same as every other Mario game. It's kind of all the same aesthetic and vibes, you know, very cozy, yeah. very, very whimsical, very creative. Um, same genre type, so you can't be, you know, you, you can't be... I mean, you could probably say I prefer the linear 3D Mario games to the open zone 3D Mario <laughs> the games. The open zone Mario games. Yeah, like, but, but for the most part, like, 2D and 3D Mario coexist in such a way that 2D and 3D Zelda don't, where, like... I, I feel like people who don't really like 3D Mario just kind of they don't have to complain about it, whereas people who don't like 3D Zelda are are salivating over the next 2D one. Um, and so like all there there's no good reason why people should be this mad that Mario 64 is still so popular, and it it is an obsession of mine. It is it is an obsession of mine that I'm just like what's what's wrong with it? What's the problem? What what is what is the problem where we all decided we got to get around this one? Because plenty of games have aged as bad, worse even, and and some games people have just universally accepted like we're okay with this. We're all, we're just gonna let it die. Like Golden Eye, people are kind of okay with saying yeah, Golden Eye, and it's not it's not what it used to be. Yeah, but like Mario sixty four, people are like. On the warpath every day, bringing this shit up, making tweets about how, oh, we, can we finally accept Mario 64 is not that good? No, we can't. Shut up. Stop it. And, and nostalgia is always, yeah. The nostalgia is always the big, big argument for that, right? Yeah. But like, no one makes these fucking arguments for games that, I'm sorry, do survive thanks to nostalgia. Fucking Banjo Kazooie, like, no offense to Banjo Kazooie, of course, but it just, it's not been influential. It's not been in the conversation. Well, no, other it's than not like big, these like it's video not, essays. It, yeah, it's not really irrelevant. Take it from a guy who fucking made a fifty minute, the fucking longest ass video on the internet about that fucking game. The it, it's it's not it it's it, it it's impact has kind of go, come and gone on a cultural level on like a gaming cultural level right and so no one's on the warpath to take down banjo kazooie like if no, someone doesn't like banjo kazooie there's not really anything up. to take down because it's like a nine out of ten so it's well well i'm like that's the thing there are plenty of people who don't like banjo kazooie i'm sure but like they're not on the warpath because they don't have to hear about banjo kazooie if they don't like it like donkey kong 64 is one of these baffling games that no one brings up it's not that influential Oh, that game no is considered not. I would say culturally, a game is considered not good. Yeah, exactly. Right but like, there are still people who are constantly bringing up like, "Well, at least it's not as bad as Donkey Kong sixty four. That game is terrible." And it's like, everyone, everyone agrees. What are you talking about? Why are you bring this back? But like, the reason I keep pointing this out is that like, I am nostalgia just doesn't matter to me because the first game I ever played was Crash Bandicoot Warped, and I. Fucking will shit talk Crash Bandicoot Warped every fucking day of the week. Fucking uh, riding motorcycles and playing as Coco, riding on shit, riding on just actual fucking shitty ass controlling. Actually, they control all right, but like some some of them are just not very fun. I love the Wave Racer. That's a good one though. Um, yeah, but it's, like it's not the mini games themselves. It's it's that There's they so take up so much of the experience. It's, yeah. it's I think forty five percent of the game or something like that. Like ten out of twenty five levels. That math doesn't add up. Sorry. Yeah, it's. I mean that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's still a lot. It's still it's still more than enough. Uh, if you want to count bosses, it's eleven out of thirty, which is slightly better. But even then, um, yeah, like and so like. 
whenever I see people talk about, like, oh, you know, you're just nostalgia blind. That's the only reason you like this game. It's like, no, that's not true. But if you're if you're asking me why I still say Resident Evil Remake is better than Resident Evil 4, even though I've went through Resident Evil 4 30 times, and if you ask me which one I'd rather play now, it's Resident Evil 4, that's nostalgia. Because I actually do have these, like, formative, important memories of, like, Resident Evil Remake being this, like, this just this thing that changed my life in such a way where, like, that was, like, my introduction to not only survival horror, but, like, just the potential of games to be so different from what I was used to, like, growing up. Because I was a Nintendo kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'll always kind of have the struggle of... Uh, same thing with, with Snake Eater, where, like, I have a lot of nostalgia for Snake Eater. Played it when I was 17. Like, that was a very formative game for me. But, like, I'm a new Kojima head yeah, I'm one of seven in the world where where I would really just rather play Death Stranding right about now. Uh, and But, like, I feel like that's I have a similar thing with, like, cartoons from that era where I have no nostalgia for, like, these 90s shows. I love Rugrats, of course, uh, and all that. But, like, I am way more nostalgic for 2000s-era shows than, like, oh, the shows yeah. I actually grew up with. And, and like, even shows – and uh, even down to the shooting style and the fashion, like – and Veronica Mars is, is not – it's not just because it's a high school show. It's it's also – because I didn't watch Veronica Mars. I would have never been allowed to watch Veronica Mars when it was airing. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's an aesthetic nostalgia and in particular, yeah. it's, it's a very specific kind you, of aesthetic because you it's Southern it. California. Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. it. It's a very specific, like it, I feel very nostalgic watching Veronica Mars because of the style and vibe and just Light, general like, attitude. Even down to the lighting, the way that oh. the show is lit. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Uh, in them bluey ass flashbacks. That is the most two thousands ass shit ever. And and this is why I want to say we got to stop with oh you're nostalgia blind. You're nost you know it's you and your nostalgia goggles. Oh I just love this game because of nostalgia. It's like no, I think that nostalgia is a very specific feeling and tone and vibe for like very particular memories and very particular experiences. Like I don't think that people have nostalgia for. N64 games, right? I think they have nostalgia for being in their basement and watching CRT scan lines smooth out the visuals of the game and holding a very specific kind of controller and being at a very specific age where where they would look at their feet and they were wearing fucking, you know, strap-on light-up shoes. Yeah, or they some would, Skechers. Yeah, Skechers, that's the one. Yeah, or they, they would, uh, you know, they would come home and they would, they would open a pack of dunkaroos and dive into their 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 pikmin file they're they're on day 29 they only have 17 parts like but <laughs> that's their memories of pikmin like i think that people have they, a they're not nostalgic for n64 games they're nostalgic for n64 like well, you and, know and the, but specifically the, the environment the environment that the n64 was in for example you know dark rooms at late at night on christmas a lot of people have their um, their Christmas when I got, you know, Mario 64 and my N64, like, staying up late to play it, you know, it was dark, it was Christmas, like, I've heard a lot of these stories, especially in these, like, videos where people talk about, like, their experience with games or why they, they still like certain games despite having to put on the song and dance, the fucking minstrel show about, oh, this game's aged so much, but I still like it because I'm nostalgic, it's like, 
It's like, shut up. Fucking Why don't stop. you just stand by the gate? Yeah. Like, if you think it's still good, you make an argument for why it's still good. That, like, that's, like, my big thing whenever people are like, yeah, I mean, graphically, I know it hasn't aged well. It's like, all right, then talk about art direction. Like, that's, art direction is ageless. Talk about fucking texture work, you know? It's like... Exactly. And also, that can make beautiful-looking games. Yeah, like, like that Mega can Man result Legends. in games that look like shit actually looking really fucking good. I, I, the, I mean, Majora's Mask, like, that game is all color. The reason that that game looks as good as it does, besides a higher polygon count, is great fucking color and great texture work, and specifically colors that help the textures not look like blurry garbage. Like, the grass in Ocarina of Time is blurry garbage. The, the grass in, in Majora's Mask is just so green and so dark that, like, it doesn't, look like real grass it, lo it looks like a 3d environment with texture over it and so it's got an art style it's got an art direction banjo yeah, you know kazooie another... is the exact same way where like the textures of banjo kazooie are so stretched out that there that there's this like scale to everything like like it doesn't feel like a, a 32 by 32 bit image stretched out and repeated and layered several times it's like every every texture is massive in that game yeah, you know what? Another beautiful, absolutely beautiful, gorgeous N64 game? Kirby 64. That game is, yeah, that is so true. Like, and especially that great art style, the the, the pastel colors. The colors that, pop so much yeah, in Kirby and, 64. Especially and the models got awful, but, like, the colors and the texture on that character is so vibrant that it's fine. Oh, dude, oh, I, I actually... The beauty of, of Kirby 64, if you put that shit in, like, Project 64 or Parallel or whatever and, like, play it upscaled. Oh, oh man, Kirby is looking so circular, dude. It looks so... I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm like, my eyes are gonna start bleeding rainbows of joy looking at all this, all this beautiful, beautiful fucking color. God, fuck fucking great game i love oh kirby yeah 64. no i i like i love i like kirby 64 a lot i wouldn't go so far as to say i love it because i haven't played it in a long enough time to say but i like it a lot uh and i am nostalgic for playing kirby 64 on Wii vc in, in like summer when i was like yeah. I, I was on a fucking mission to just play as many games on the the virtual console as i could afford to play See, it's so funny when you mention that, like, ga specifically games on the Wii Virtual Console that I have distinct n nostalgia for. It's Super it's Mario RPG. You know, moving the fucking cursor around yeah. and going to the, the icon. You <laughs> As you're going, going over the channels. You hit start. You know, game begins, and and it tell you go to that black screen. It says, you know, these are the controllers you're allowed to use. Game pops up. Oh yeah, it's, that's it's, the nostalgia. Like where, like, I I think the best phrase that I can use for this is interface nostalgia, where where you are awash with nostalgia because you see a familiar interface, the GameCube cube going around and making the logo, the PS2, it's too. <laughs> Even even yeah. the PS3 is like violin strings, which I'm not going to impersonate because I can't do a violin. But oh, dude, I remember I heard the uh, I I've heard the the PS Vita, uh, like 
track that plays when you in in its menu like for the first time in a few years like a couple months ago and that gave me like a nostalgia hit i'm like oh yeah forgot about this whole thing <laughs> forgot about I, the bubbles and all this shit i have a bizarre love of like when i get really because one of the songs that i'm most nostalgic for and this is proof that i have no nostalgia from childhood i have nostalgia from my early 20s is i get so nostalgic about Hatsune Miku, Project Eva, F-Second, and particularly sitting on the menu of that game. Like, Miku is in fucking angel prayer pose, floating in the middle of, like, a string of, like, cubes in this, like, digital room that's, like, brightly lit, and all the menus are just, like, cubes around her. And I, and by the way, this was when I was starting to get really into, like, analyzing games, so I kept thinking, like, man, all this effort for the menu, like, that's kind of sick. That, yeah. that that was probably someone's entire job during the, the during the duration of that game was like just making this menu because that was a yearly game. They just turned those out fairly quickly. Uh, so someone probably spent their entire you know year developing and coding that menu and making the art assets for the menu, conceiving of the menu. Menus are so fucking important to the. They're game so important experience. and people sleep on them and and. It, they don't have to be Resident Evil 4 interactive or, like, that menu matters. Like, that yeah. attache case is so important. Well, it's like a... In Resident Evil 4, it's like a minigame. The menu yeah. is, like a, is like a minigame. It's like, a minigame and it's great. a metagame, too. Because, like, how you stack your your inventory basically affects, like, what, what you can even use. Like, you, you might have to start sacrificing slots because you want to carry every possible weapon. Or you might you know, prioritize, okay, well, I can carry way more grenades now because I got rid of my shotgun, my riot gun, now I only have the striker, like, yeah. suddenly I can can hoard grenades. Like, there is that metagame element to it, but, like, the Project Diva F second menu is important content. It's important to the game experience, and just, like, hearing that menu theme and seeing Miku in her prayer pose, and it's so funny because she... Can be she's always wearing whatever outfit you wore in the last song you played. So like you could like so the outfit's always different, and there's always like a very specific nostalgia. Yeah, like my heart, my heart is just bursting right now. I just feel so much about about Project Diva F Second, which I played for the first time when I was twenty, uh, and and just and I'm nostalgic for the menu. And, and and like that's I think that's what I people have, are really uh, nostalgic about. Yeah, you can I have be nostalgic deep about nostalgia. Veronica Mars because you yeah. haven't because you're nostalgic about two thousands era Southern California depictions. Exactly, I love I love that shit. It brings me back to a time like it's so fucked up, dude. But like, because I was thinking about it, it's like, man, if I had a fucking time machine, I'd just go back to some random day in like two thousand three, and just and just take it all in and leave like you know see i would i would stick around i would stick around very specifically and see if i could get a job at like egm or something like that and just like just kind of like become like a super important voice in like games and just and just not and just like try and steer the ship away from what it was in the 2000s <laughs> like because games criticism in the 2000s was awful i know everyone hates games journalism now but like you don't read the words if you don't like the game there is something wrong with you anymore you absolutely will read that I, on the super bunny hop video where he discussed like the top 100 metacritic which started my obsession with the metacritic top 100 uh he he went through 
as well as the the scores, he also went through uh, sound bites, like to find like regular sound bites. Uh, and he found like in the 2000s, bigger and badder were two of the most like common words, as well as the phrase, if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and it's like that shit doesn't show up in reviews anymore. No, that doesn't happen. No, I. Yeah, it's one of these things where it's like when, when you when you take the past as a whole and you really dissect it, it's just like, yeah, some stuff is better today and some stuff's worse today. It's. I guess it's always. It just has always been. That's like always this. how it how it is. You just don't have to. I. I was thinking about this. This is the first of my topics that I have on my phone, because uh, I wrote this down. Uh, I said, "Why are people still joking about Trump in 2023?" And like, I had the perfect moment to myself. Where like, because there is a Trump reference in Veronica Mars, but this is classic. Like, th- season this is three, old businessman Donald Trump. Yeah, like like the Apprentice Donald Trump. Yeah, and it just kind of occurred You're to me, fired. like, I don't that that era. Yeah, yeah, that era of Donald Trump. She still makes a joke about him being a sex pest, but like that might have just been a you know a similar like. Uh, there's a couple Thirty Rock jokes about Harvey Weinstein being a sex pest. Like that was just a case of maybe everyone knew, like everyone knew, and there was just nothing anyone could do about it because he was just such a big deal. Um, but like, I I'm trying to think of um. The context of it, yeah, she, you know, she said she's going to bring pepper spray into New York or something in case that Trump character shows up, I think is the word that she uses. Like, you know, just some nice and light and funny, like, certainly not as politically charged as it would be today. <laughs> and I was trying to think of when was the last time I, I heard anything about Trump, like, jokes-wise. And it's specifically yeah. from all these, like, liberals on Twitter and, and like, you know, these people who, like, their sense of humor hasn't picked up the slack yet. <laughs> And it it made me realize it is not picked up from five years ago. Well, well, that's what I realized that joking about Trump is the liberal equivalent of still saying like triggered and special snowflake in 2023. It's that's it's the it's the other side of the spectrum. Same equivalent. We're like, we're done. Yeah, it's the reverse of the coin. The tail side. Whenever people are like, oh, are you a triggered little snowflake? It's like, no, we're done. That was funny in 2014. We're done. Like, oh, you know, it's, oh, I bet you voted for Donald Trump. We're done. We're done with Donald Trump. He's out of the White House, literally suplexed by Jeffrey Epstein. Look it up. It's in the history yeah, Joel, book. Did, did you all forget the ladder match? The shoots and ladders match? Come on, iconic. When when Joe Biden broke his leg? Come yeah, on, really? He, he couldn't step up and be president. He couldn't climb the ladder to the briefcase? Yeah, geez Ridiculous. Louise. Yes, I I just wish people would just catch the fuck up, and I like, know. and it it is really funny, and especially talking about politics and old shows. How about that transgender episode? Oh, okay. So Veronica Mars episode three is one of the like most hysterical, craziest episodes of TV you can watch with a modern lens, um, because it is it is so like. I have a feeling now, Miles. Let me know if, if if this tracks for you before we actually dive in. Because let me just say, it's not the ending that is the only thing that is interesting. The entire oh, setup the and plot of the episode is cracked out. Yeah, um, where, but, where th- there's two fake outs about the mystery. I like feel, whether it's legitimate or not, like all sorts of things. Yeah, I feel like this episode. 
does a lot of heavy lifting in making Veronica Mars not a fondly remembered or we rewatch show in the modern in the modern day. Because I feel like most people who would want to watch Veronica Mars would not be down with the contents of, of this episode. But anyways, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So Veronica Mars, detective at Neptune High, um gets con gets gets sort of uh contacted. The, yeah, the, a client by, comes up to her at lunch. Yeah. As they all do. They all come up to her at lunch. Uh, yeah, at lunch. Or in the or, girl's bathroom. Yeah, yeah the girl's bathroom. Well, I, oh, that's a great bit, by the way. I love how all these sort of client meetings take place in the girl's bathroom and they always have to shut someone like like that yeah <laughs> you can't go well, here. well she starts putting an out of order sign up whenever she's in there and then oh. she'll just take it off when she walks out <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome and, and he this this kid's like yeah i um i need, I need help finding my dad you know he left That's such a perfect was- impression of that kid by the way <laughs> he's got such a nasally voice He's got, like, this nasally, like, he's just this nasally shitbag kid. And he's like, yeah. I need some help finding my dad. Like, and, he hunched over like this. And, yeah. You know, and, like, and like then, no confidence. Then, he's got, he's yeah. got dick shame. <laughs> no riz. Like, no yeah. riz. <laughs> like, it's it's like those red, uh, the red li- line drawings. It's like he's got cock shame. <laughs> Speaking of cock shame, though. Yeah, so Veronica is, is like, yeah, so, like, do you got any photos of your dad? And he's like, no, mom ripped them all up. He's like. You, you, you know, you got. Do you know where he is at all? He's like, no, not really. And he's like, well, can we start with a name? And then he says, without missing a beat, John Smith. <laughs> cut to, cut a to long opening. time ago. We, we used, used to, to be friends, friends but, but I. I that song is really thought. good, by the way, <laughs> dude. I at first when I first heard it, I'm like, "Does this suck?" And then I'm like, "No, it doesn't. It's really good. <laughs> it will suck. I will say there, there's a little remix at some point it? in the show. There's a remix, and it sucks. No, yeah. I, no, when I you- when I saw that, my heart was broken. My heart was fucking Come on broken. Now, sugar. <laughs> bring it on, bring it on, yeah. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Oh man. It, uh, the full, by the way, a full version, not not as good as the the thirty uh, five second I cut. I haven't looked it up because I don't know if the comments will have spoilers or not. And well, I, I, I looked a, it up on Spotify, so okay. I was I was that, safe. That makes sense. Yeah, I I have a problem with looking at at comments. I I don't know why. I I, just, I need to stop. But yeah, so the kid says he is going to uh, uh, Veronica's going to find his dad. She sends out. 355 letters to every John Smith within California. 440 John Smiths. Yeah, okay. In the California area. And um, and th- and only 3 of them have to re- like only 3 of them respond, right? Because or no, only one responds, I think. No, only only one responds, but that's that's later. Yes. B- because because the kid is lying. He he's his dad died ten years ago, and he's just using this as an excuse to hang out with Veronica because he thinks Veronica's a nine, as discussed in a in the ent- episode like the opening stinger. Open. Oh, the but can I, open. the other thing I have to say about this show: the cold opens are like nine minutes long. <laughs> Dude, it takes forever. First of all, they don't even play the intro song in the pilot, and yes. second of all, um. And second of all, in the 
in the second or third episode, it's like, yeah, like eight minutes in, we get the intro. Like, yeah, which which makes you think, like, all right, Vonica Marsh starts up. It's on. It, it's it's what we call a frame one show. <laughs> Is that the real term? For no. <laughs> but Veronica yeah. Mars has a frame one jab though. <laughs> and she uh and she's got plus frames on her roundhouse kick. Uh, she's got plus frames on her taser. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. She also has we're also gonna say backup is an assist character. She can summon backup. Oh yeah. That's yeah, you press RT and backup comes in. Yeah, backup great comes name up for the dog. Yeah, for the dog. It's really good. Yeah. I, dude, dude, I want to play as Veronica Mars in Street Fighter Six. I think I, I don't like. You could probably characters. make Veronica Mars. You could probably make I, Veronica Mars. Dude, you could. I bet you totally fucking could. Holy shit! Well, now I know who I gotta make in Street Fighter Six. Like when when I get the game, because I was just gonna <laughs> do what I always do and, and <laughs> so make, make myself. Kristen Bell. Yeah, I'm gonna make Kristen Bell, and but specifically Veronica Mars or Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell's definitely <laughs> one of my celebrity crushes for sure. Um, yeah, she has been since The Good Place, so I'm not a creep. Uh, but, because she, she's like, I don't know, 30, 40 in the good place. Yeah, I, uh, how, how old was she when she filmed Veronica Mars? Um, I mean, she's probably older than a teenager. I, I imagine she, I was, like I was thinking probably young 20s, right? Yeah, like probably most early people. 20s. I think, um, I think a lot of them. Oh, this is a fun fact before we get, get back to the show. Uh, Jason Doring, who plays, uh, Logan Eccles. Yeah. I, I kept being like, why is he so familiar to me? Why do I know his 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 voice so well? I look it up. Logan Eccles, played by Jason Doring. Also, Terra from Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. <laughs> and by the way, I thought he couldn't act because he's god-awful in that game. So is Aqua, to be fair. Aqua's even fucking worse, I would argue. <laughs> But no, he's actually fucking excellent as well. He's logo. got some fucking dude. He's good, good in this show. Although I will have to say, we got it because you brought Logan up. We got to talk about this. How did Logan pull Lily King, dog? Like, like how did he pull that? How did uh, he pull? The more you see Lily about Lily, the more it makes a lot of sense. The more it makes a lot of sense. Because she's she's got a lot going for her, is 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 all all I'll say. And I just cannot believe that this dork. Uh, it was the one to come out on top of, of, uh, of, of the, of the, the Lily Kane battle royale. I'm definitely not gonna, I'm definitely not gonna spoil, spoil it. Yes, he is chicken dinner, but, like, there, there is, there, there's a lot more going on with that. Um, but yeah, sorry, I keep moving us off of this episode. I, okay, so I'll, but, uh, the young man gets a letter the back client. from one of the John Smiths, yeah, the, from one of the John Smith, and he realizes that his mother had been lying about uh, his father being dead. And she said, and I quote, um, he always told, she always told me that, you know, he was dead. And when I asked about it, she was like, yeah, he's better off. You, you're better off believing he's dead. You're just better off believing that he's dead. And so you're like, oh shit, he must be like a fucked up deadbeat. And that's what Veronica thinks. And so she goes to San Francisco, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. She goes to San Francisco, uh, and, and starts tracking down one of the John Smiths, who's, like, this bald guy, keeps going to, like, liquor stores and, and strip clubs and all these things, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and she's like, 
yeah, that's that's the guy. Uh, that's that's you know that's got to be John Smith. And he's like, well, he's wearing sunglasses. I can't tell. I know that he has brown eyes. So she gets him to take no no the the client gets him to take off his sunglasses when he comes to see. Uh, him. Yeah, and also uh, the client says that it, that his his dad have had a love for old like vintage yes, like vintage cars, cars. and and too. that's the other thing he wouldn't have been caught dead driving the car that he was driving. Uh, and so he's like, no, there's no way this is my dad. My dad's not a deadbeat. Uh, and he gets the guy to take off his sunglasses, realizes, shit, that's not my dad. It doesn't look anything like him. Yeah. But they managed to track him back to his house. And I'll let you take and it And then here. Veronica just straight up breaks into this man's fucking garage to see... If, if if they got a nice car in there, and of course Veronica gets immediately caught, uh, by doing this, and, and, and alleged John Smith is like, "Hey man, yo man, what the what the fuck, bro? Why are you in my house? You stay there. I'm calling the fucking cops." And, and she says, uh, "Are you John Smith? Like, why are you going to all these creepy places?" He's like, "Uh, yeah, I'm John Smith, but like." I'm a parole officer. I was following, you know, someone, uh, one of my, you know, one of my parolees, right? And so Veronica's like, all right, well, is this your dad? He's like, no. And then. And then. Well, well, well the, the client is outside. He did not break into the house as well. And he happens to look in Veronica's car across the way, and he sees a green vintage 70s, 80s car. I don't fucking I don't know. It's a fucking cool car, all right? You know, it's a fucking b banger ass car. And, and lo and behold, as sort of Veronica's confronting alleged John Smith, the garage door opens up and the sort of green convertible starts to, to pull up. And it's the woman who we see a couple times at the video store that the client works at two previous times in the episode. They both share, she shares small talk with them in each scene. But there are also other people he has small talk with at at the client the the uh, the storefront. So, it, the, you know they do a nice job setting it up. And then in one of the funniest, greatest reveals of all time, the client gets out of out of his car and gets up to the the woman sitting in his in the the green convertible, and he looks at him and he goes, "Dad." And the woman just starts shaking her head up and down, and then fade to black because all the it, the uh, Veronica Mars has this hysterical early two thousands like cut to commercial where it fades to black and it takes like three fourths of a second. Like it takes a really long time to fade to black in some of these scenes. Uh, it has some of the worst fades to black too because it it'll it'll also last so long, but then the actual fade is so fast. So like it'll just be like. It's hard to explain because there will just be, like, seconds of lead time for the cut to commercial, but then the cut will be as fast as humanly possible. And sometimes it's really short, too. It's really inconsistent. Yeah. Um, they, they get better about it at season two, but, like, that's one of those, like, who cares kinds of situations. <laughs> like, it's not a criticism anyone but us would have because we noticed this crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because so, I edit fucking videos, so it's yeah, like, I and, know. So we come back up from commercial, and so the mom now explains, uh, 
I didn't want to leave you, I loved you, but this was something that I had to do, right? Completely yeah. empathetic and completely understandable to a 2023 audience, but, like, I'm assuming to a 2003 audience, they'd be yeah, like, 2000... yeah, you shouldn't have left your kid behind so you could cut off your dick, you stupid bitch. Like, and, and so he says one of my favorite lines where he's like, yeah, my mom's a bitch and my dad's a circus freak. freak. And then, and then right, and then at that moment, Veronica's like, "Alrighty, we're out of here!" Like immediately, without and, missing a beat, she's like, "Okay, we gotta go." And and the funny thing about it is that the the mom is like so, like, yeah, I understand why you would say that. Like, like, she's clearly heartbroken, but she's also like so, like, yeah, all right, yeah, but I, I, it's more important, like. My feelings don't matter here. It's actually more important that you're disappointed, son. Like, and and, and also, obviously not played by a trans actor. That was never going to happen. I don't, I, they weren't there. Like, it's, so it's just like, you know, some woman, right, playing this, some bitch playing this, this, this person. Um, and it's like, so obviously, like, if you've met a trans woman, it's like, so obviously not one at all. Like, yeah, just that's from the why voice. it was so surprising. I was like, I, I I I I wish I could re recreate the noise that came out of my mouth at the at the reveal of all that because I was I was telling tell you I was eating dinner, watching this episode you know having a good time, going go, watching Veronica Mars drive to San Francisco you know track down these guys you know, and then, and then this happens and I just I'm like. Pah! <laughs> It's actually like I I remember watching that and just being like, and and, and I think our sense of humor makes it clear like, politics aside, none none of us care about like like problematic depictions of these kinds of things. Like it's the two thousands. I get it. You know, shit from yeah. sh by the way, shit from this year is going to be problematic in twenty forty whatever. Like Exa it's, exactly, you can't, you can't you just can't be mad that it was a different time. In my personal opinion, but like that that actually when he calls her a circus freak, I was like, damn. All right, I know what year this is. Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely that would would not fly today under any any circumstance. Yeah, oh. like that that character would not receive the level of sympathy that he does from the show. Yeah. Well well to be fair, the scene immediately following that is a is a converse is a decent conversation between Veronica oh, yeah. and the client. It's, it's not like the show's like a like it's not like this episode's like like hateful or anything because he does learn to accept uh his mom back into his life, right? Yeah. Like and and yeah, Veronica says like she drove eighty miles. Oh, but but ninety miles. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're still saying your dad, like, which is really funny, uh, because you know nowadays we know you're not supposed to do that. But this was two thousand three. They didn't give a shit. They also didn't fucking know yeah. or care. And, and it was and it was his dad. Yeah, even like, though he even though his dad's a woman now. Yeah, and and so like. like but but like like a more the more politically correct sensitive Veronica Mars would be like now that you, you know she's your mom now but she's still family or whatever she's like yeah your dad that's how far your dad drove every day just to see you for a few seconds and so at the end of the episode the client calls and says like yeah we got this movie do you want to come rent it like so he's taking taking steps yeah building a yeah, bridge he, yeah and uh the client tells uh his dad or his mom, new mom or however you want to word it that that like he he lets them know the specific time and days that he's where he's like yeah i'm here every saturday or whatever x and y so it's like 
that they can they can see each other. So and so it does hint at at you know maybe it's not completely lost. Yeah, it was a big shock. Yeah, and, but he, he'll get over shot. it and he'll try. Like yeah, to, exactly. To bridge. So it ends on a night. It ends on a nice note. Yeah, it's just like the, the episode's whole, not the whole set. Obviously. Yeah, no, I don't really think it is. It's it's just the whole setup of it is very funny. Again, because you, I don't mean to watch this with stuff with the 2023 lens, nor do I let the 2023 lens affect how I feel about it in the grand scheme of things. No, same but here. Like you, but you have it in the same way that seven years from now we're gonna watch stuff with a 2030 lens because it's what yeah, fucking year it is. We're we're gonna watch you know whatever. Like I I people are coming for Noel Stevenson's like. She-Ra in, like, 10 years. Even even though that's, like, sort of this, like, bastion of progressive television, people are gonna come for that fucking show. They probably already are, frankly. Because all yeah. these cartoon weirdos always do. But, like, all the shows that everyone's like, ah, oh, this is so important, it's so progressive, people are gonna come for that shit in several years. And and it's not to deplatform the show, it's not to do whatever, it's solely for content. Yeah. It's solely to get clicks, right? Like, I'm sure that there's some YouTuber, like Big Joel, who would rewatch Veronica Mars and would make a video about it, but they'd have to mention, oh, fucking politics. Like, the fact that Logan and Weevil just trade racial slurs with each other is so insane. Like, that they could just get into this pissing contest about, like, who can say the worst thing. Like, the most, like, awful racially charged, economically charged insult to one another. That that's just, like, how they communicate. I know, it's it's fucking awesome. Which, by the way, shout out to the second episode of the show where the grandma gets arrested for credit card fraud. Yes, and it turns out to be Hector because he's trying to impress, impress Paris Hilton. Oh, I thought that. That was Paris Hilton. Could you tell by the Ooh. fact that she couldn't act? Yeah. I was like, this person looks familiar. That was Paris Hilton. Dude, and and it's so funny watching later episodes of the show. There are four out of six cast members of Party Down, two of which are recurring characters on the show, and two of which are, uh, like, more bit players. There is one Breaking Bad alum, one Better Call Saul alum. Uh, Who else? There's, There's other, like, big surprise actors where you're like, oh, it's that guy. Kiefer yeah. Sutherland doesn't show up. Oh no! He, he was dude, too big it, at the dude, time. The Jack Bauer Veronica Mars crossover would go so hard, dude. I'm, I'm just saying, season seven of of 24, where he teams up with uh um uh the woman from The Last of Us. What's her name? Tess, the yeah. actress. They just he should have teamed up with Veronica Mars. And Hell like, yeah! They would have done the exact same thing. Veronica Mars ain't exactly FBI material. We need like, someone inside the school, Veronica. Yeah. No, no, no. He he would start. He would start whispering to her. He's like, "Can you get inside the school?" Uh, it's uh, kind of where I I attend, and he'd just ignore her attitude and just be like, "Good. I need you to go in there, and I need you to find out who has the door code. Get me inside as as quickly as you can <laughs> now." That was awesome. Oh man. I would I I, I love two thousands TV, dude. I gotta watch all the like two thousands heat. I gotta watch Ally McBeal. I gotta watch uh The Wire. Um, oh yeah, Sopranos. Sopranos. Well that's yeah, I've watched a bit of the Sopranos and I would like to finish it. I just for some reason it just doesn't hold my attention all that well. I think because ironically enough, 
I'm more interested in the episodic episodes than I am, like, the overarching plot. Maybe because nowadays it's so, like, quaint. Like, the character of Tony Soprano is a more dramatic, like, there are five more dramatic versions of Tony Soprano that kind of, that kind of, like, have, that, that have more questions, I guess, about him. I think that's the problem, is that I think I understand Tony Soprano already. Like, it's not, he's not, like, a... Like, Brian Cox, Kendall Roy, uh, like, relationship, whatever. Uh, oh, uh, Roy, no, Logan Roy and Kendall Roy, like, the uh, all the Roys, Roman Roy, like, those very complicated male antiheroes. He's not... From Succession? Yeah, from Succession. He's not Jimmy McGill. He's not um, Walter White. Like, Omar, I hear. Everyone likes Omar from The Wire. Like, Tony Soprano does feel like a more straightforward kind of character nowadays mm-hmm. yeah uh, which is very interesting I, I, yeah that is kind of that is kind of interesting the thing is like the the reason i'm not that interested in succession is because i think the idea of the reveal being oh my parents fucked me up is like so boring to me i know it's true and i know everyone feels this way and i know it's probably like really relatable for the writer really relatable for every fucking person writing a disney movie but like Whenever the reveal is like, oh, my parents really messed me up, I just, I don't care. Like, I think it's fine yeah, when it's when it, it's a teen, and the parent is still in their life. Which is exactly, why, like, it, Logan is interesting, or, you know, the Kane family is so interesting in, in, in Veronica Mars. But, like... Dude, even Veronica's relationship with her dad, I think, is fucking awesome. Oh, dude, show. no, that's the heart of the show, is just how much they love each other, and how much, like, they have each other's back. And to be fair, Succession, it is all in the family, but, like, Logan is such a blatantly, like, terrible, terrible, terrible person um, that, like, there's almost no, like, the only mystery is, like, what particular form of abuse has made all these characters as miserable as they are. Uh, and I just don't care. I don't know, I just, I just don't care. Uh, Especially, it's like, oh, these rich billionaires, I feel so bad for them. Like, it's really interesting, of course, character-wise. Are the antics of a succession the antics are pretty nuts like i like think the scheming and the antics is that compelling enough for you not even if re- the it's not internal compelling enough drama? for me but okay. it's definitely compelling all of it's very compelling especially like the amount of double crossing and backstabbing and no one could trust each other like i i think it's just i don't i don't care about business like the business world is just so uninteresting to me now if it's fucking gangs fucking spiring fucking crime i'm i'm there all day yeah, dude, I'm I'm fucking there all day. I'm there all day, every day. But yeah, it's like, all right, well, the business world sure is cutthroat. How exciting! <laughs> there, there, there's a political element to Succession that I think really elevates it. That really helps the show, which is that it's basically about like Rupert Murdoch and like this really rich person who also has this like political agenda and this influence on the world. And, like, the media around him, especially, like, his relationship to presidents, like, that his personal opinions and his biases and his – the way he runs his platform is making the world worse. And everyone is also fighting for this company without kind of understanding, like, that they're not just taking over a media empire. They're taking over a manipulation empire and an empire that has the ability to influence thoughts and shift world politics. Uh, And so that's pretty fucking interesting. But – I just don't care. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's I'm like gonna watch the- every episode of Veronica Mars, even though like season three so far is like 
is Bizarro World. <laughs> like, see, season three Is has, it good Bizarro World, bad Bizarro, or just plain Bizarro? It's just Bizarro because it's so different. And I don't, I don't know if it benefits from the setting it's in anymore, but, like... The, the crimes are different, I think is the oh, best okay. way to put it. The, okay. the, the crimes are very different. They're more out and about in the world, like a little less in the bubble of high school. Gotcha. Um, oh, okay. So it's kind of weird that it's still sort of semi-set there. Yeah. It and, is. Yeah, and then at the same time, it's like like the crimes themselves are a little bit more like... It's still very student body focused, but the the stakes are not nearly as like dude my dad's gonna freak like i don't know there's something there's something <laughs> dude, pretty- yeah 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 like the episode that's what's great about the episode with the the car yes. when the car when when Duncan's car gets stolen that's a great fucking episode although i although i gotta be honest i found the sort of ending re- like the sort of end t- like twist and mystery of reveal to be just kind of confusing there's a lot of episodes that i finished and i was like i don't think i get it like they, they they will sometimes wrap up an episode so quickly and I'll be like I think I missed something. But yeah. but I mean for the most part, like you are staying there. The thing about mystery shows is alright, well this mystery wasn't that intriguing. Come back next time. What's the overarching mystery? I think Let's get major, another one. I think the major thing is that season two and season three just don't have the same intrigue and mysteries because Veronica herself is not quite as directly involved. Yeah, that's something I was probably I was thinking about when you were t- t- saying that season two wasn't as strong. I can imagine if they were trying to in- 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 include another overarching mystery in the story. It's a bit different when it's not her her best friend that got murdered, and also and and it ruined her also the reason why socially. she was ostracized from yeah. everyone. Like that's the stakes of that are are like way more interesting right off the bat. So. I, I could see that. And yeah. yeah, and it's the fact that she basically has to climb back up into the world of being respectable by working hard and by doing favors for people and, and helping out, even though she's Dude, sick. that was the whole fucking, not to fucking totally fucking derail this train, but, like, that's what the first, like, 18 episodes of Rising of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero was, like, so good. Because the S.H.I.E.L.D. hero gets complete, gets accused of sexual assault against, like, one of the princesses and is completely ostracized from everyone in the fucking world. So the only way he's able to get a companion is for him to go buy a slave. Because that is the only way he can acquire any companionship and grow as, a, as like, a RPG character in the fantasy world. And he has to slowly build up his his money, power, and status by, like, doing hard fucking favors and hardballing people and, like, being a fucking... being a compassionate yet cutthroat capitalist. And then they, and then they solve it. He kind of gets... He gets... He, everyone kind of sees him for the righteous dude he is. And that whole part arc of the story's over and closed. And I'm like, wait a minute, that was the most compelling part! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it is very interesting, because uh, you see a lot of people who are always like, oh, why won't they just, you know, with, like, Komi-san, why don't they just get together, you know, why don't they just, you know, move to the next step, well, you know, whatever. But, like, I also think that there's a lot of shows where they probably shouldn't do that. Like, I think with relationships, it's about time that, unless it's, you know, Kaguya-sama, which, by the way, 
even that show had its limits. Even that even that manga had its limits and, and things did start to progress. Like other than yeah. that, like a, a show like Rising of the Shield Hero might be more interesting as an episodic story where he's only he's only back at the top at the very end, right? Or like in it, time it, exactly where that's like the conclusion to the whole like overarching narrative of of what's going on because because like whereas like it, with something like ReZero for the I think there's 50 total episodes of, of that that currently exist in season three will give us hopefully like 24 25 more like by the end of episode 50 Subaru does have some more capabilities of his own than what he had at the start but he is still massively reliant on the help and assistance of others and he needs to use his charisma and his and his sort of you know yeah his charisma basically stat to talk his way into getting people to to help him and assist him with these overcoming extremely insane odds um and that's still a core part of the show even if he even if he's a little more capable on a individual level you know like and no, I agree, dude. I, I, it's always a shame when, when you're reading or was watching like a long running story like that and they got to make a hard right shift and it just loses like kind of what it's about. I know people complain a lot about Death Note and being like Death Note's not as good once L, L leaves. And, and, and while I agree that the first, I, I think Death Note, you could split up into three major arcs. I think the first, like, 13 episodes, first, like, 30-ish chapters are, is the best part of Death Note. Absolutely. But there's still me- there's still merit and meaning to, like, the last, like, arc of the, the show. And it wouldn't be Death Note without it. Um, and I don't think it would be automatically or, or inherently better if L made it entirely to the end of the the run of the show. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's such a big move, and it's such a big like play that it 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 helps to take the the story to the next place where it belongs, so to speak. I I'm trying to think of if there's any examples that I have of a story that like yeah, you should have just stayed. <laughs> you should have just stayed where you were. I mean, it happens a lot in anime. I think a, a lot of TV shows, especially, it, it that kind of happens. Um, but like. Well, it's it it is very funny because like like Ted Lasso is one of these shows where, ironically enough, the worse everyone is, the better the show is because Ted has to work harder to like make everyone decent. And like by the time that the team is like this really positive unit that everyone loves each other, it's like, all right, well, I already saw all the characters I actually like improve. So what, what yeah. what's left? Like, and and, and and you know what? They, they had I a good like- move with the with one of the characters from season one that he empowered became a villain in season two because of how much he empowered him. It's like really oh, that's great. cool. Yeah, and then season three is just kind of like like he just kind of wanders back onto the path of decency again without Ted's help. It's like so. It's fun and it's good and it's good that that things end up better for him. But it should have been harder, I think, for that character. Yeah, and and I also, and I will say like this is something that I feel like we can give movies a lot of credit for because movies can be like this satisfying thing where it's like yeah we tell the story and it's like this and it ends when it needs to you know we're like with with Ted Lasso it's like yeah 
probably season one ended where it needed to, but it was successful and we need a season two, so here we go. Like, th- this is, you know, bring it all fucking back to 13 Reasons Why. Yet another teen show that I love that goes, like, way too fucking crazy. Like, after, like, season two kind of justifies itself. Seasons three and four definitely do not in any way, shape, or form. I think what's what's interesting about, like, a Ted Lasso or a Veronica Mars, especially, is, is like, Ted Lasso is such a simple concept. You only kind of need two things to happen. You need the characters to improve as people. And Richmond has to win. And, like, those two things, as long as that hasn't happened yet... The show has a place to go. And so season one ends with Richmond being relegated. And Jamie Tart, who is on the path to becoming a better person, is moved away to another team. He's sent to to, to Man City. Um, and he's back in the presence of his abusive dad. And he's also on a team where he doesn't have the support of Ted Lasso. And so he's kind of able to backslide as a person. Uh, and so he comes back in season two, and now he's got to make amends with his team that he kind of bullied and, and berated and belittled. But, like, that not being, like, a seasons-long thing, like, he kind of gets back in their graces by, like, episode four. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and... and, and, and Riverdale-ass speed. And then there's still a, a lot of drama, by the way, about, like, Ted and dealing with his, his dad, like, the, the effect that his father had on his life, which is worth experiencing for yourself. It's a very dramatic storyline. Um... And they have, like, a pretty humiliating loss against Manchester City, like, that kind of, like, sees them in fear of, like, they get relegated, as I I think I mentioned. Um, And so, like, it sees them not being able to get back to the Premier League from the Champions, from the, so the Champions League and the Championship are two different things. I think the Champions League is the one below the Premier League. Okay. Uh, But, um, either way, like, it's like, I couldn't tell you what happened. Oh, and then obviously this character who, like, becomes empowered and, like, becomes a jerk. I couldn't tell you what happened in season three, really. Like, I don't really remember, and it's the most recent one. <laughs> because no one has work to do. Except for this, like, villain character. No one has work to do. Everyone's Everyone is just happy-go-lucky, and they love each other. And, like, the only thing that Richmond has to do is start to play better, and so it kind of becomes a more conventional sports story. Uh, but then they yeah, don't that's really why you got involved. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's not bad. It's not a bad season. The season finale is one of those rare, like, very good, everything-you-want-happens season finales. It's not oh, surprising, yeah. but it doesn't have to be, because... I'm sorry, they don't have to, season finales don't have to be surprising if you're not writing fucking Veronica Mars. It doesn't have to be a fucking mystery with a big reveal. Like, if all the logical things that you've set up probably should happen at the end. I don't know why so many shows don't do this. Uh, Miles, when the fuck are you gonna watch Cobra Kai, dude? Uh, I I need to. I know I would like Cobra Kai. It seems... I- I think you would fucking love Cobra Kai, dude. You know what's funny? On the subject of fist fights with Cobra Kai... Yeah. Uh, I saw Creed 3 recently. Oh, what'd you think of that movie? Um, have you seen any of the Creeds? No, I've only seen Rocky 3. <laughs> that is so you. <laughs> that is so you. Um, I like Rocky. I haven't seen them all, and I hear a lot of them are not really worth watching, but um, I've seen all the Creeds. Uh, and Creed 3 is very good. 
Creed 1 and 2 are very good. I don't really have any, like, special affinity to any of the Creed films, even though I like boxing and I like underdog stories and I like fucking fist fights. But I think I like fist fights between two men who hate each other. And 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 the idea of like a boxing ring, like yeah, there's a sports story, there's excitement. Uh, to be fair, I think Creed Two might be my favorite, even though it's probably I have a feeling Creed Two is probably the worst rated one. I because it's like it's written by Sylvester Stallone, so it's fairly kind of cheesy, as opposed to Creed Three, which was written uh, Creed One and Three, which was written by um, Ryan Coogler, uh, who executive produced Space Jam: A New Legacy. And did nothing else of value whatsoever. Ryan Coogler has absolutely done nothing else. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, I'm just, uh, the joke is he did Black Panther, the only Marvel movie that almost won an Oscar. But, um, <laughs> and I have nothing more Dude, to say. That's about awesome. That. Black Panther, Space Jam, A New Legacy. The, are and they then, connected? And Creed. And then Creed. He's done other stuff. He did Fruitvale Station, which I've seen, and that's a great movie. Um, very, very, like, I call it black cry porn. Um, like, like, Precious. Precious is the most black cry porn movie I've ever seen. Where it's specifically about... What is is this movie? (laughs) Uh, it's about a 16-year-old obese black girl played by Gabourey Sidibe, who is pregnant in high school. And it's just about... And she's, like, abused by her mom. Obviously, shit's tough on the streets. Like, uh, just, just like, very specifically, like, a movie that's sad because it's such a tragic and harsh reflection of the actual fucking realities of being a disenfranchised black American. Right? And so Fruitvale Station's about the, un, like, the kind of, like, basically the the murder, like, the unjust murder of a, of a black... Uh, just like citizen, like he's just a guy, right? Like because he was. Oh, is it the... based on a true story or something? Yeah, or he was it... just. Yeah, he he, and it's the day before he died, like or the day that he died, like on New Year's, he was shot at Fruitvale Station by just a cop for kind of mouthing off to the cop and for standing up for himself. And uh, and the thing is, he's a flawed person. Like you know, he he dealt weed for a living. Um, he was like his mom like rejected him as a person. He didn't really. I think he was like in and out of his son's life or something along those lines, and and so, it you know obviously it's it's a case of like no one deserves this. Like it doesn't matter who the person is, no one deserves to just die, like be shot to death for the color of their skin. So it's a very like, it's a very poignant and great film, and especially the fact that they don't turn him into a fucking angel, like which would just be the most like. If white people made that movie, that would be the most easy thing for them to do. But like, it's what kind is it of called a green book, green book, right? Uh, the green book, yeah. Which I, to be fair, I think the green book is like it's based on like an actual book. Um, yeah, it didn't, it. it what, yeah, and so and so, I can't really say like. Wait a minute! Wait wait a minute! What, you mean you mean the green book or or a book that the movie is based on that is about the green. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's a book called The Green Book, or it's about the story of The Green Book. I don't know. Okay, okay. (laughs) But either way, like, that that's a case of, I think it just was the wrong year for that movie to not only be made, but to be nominated and to win. Especially because of just how tough things were in America, race relations-wise. I mean, it, it, it always is, frankly, but, like... It's it probably the most controversial, like, black snub since Do the Right Thing versus Driving Miss Daisy. Where, and to be fair, that's a Morgan Freeman film, and it's still about a disenfranchised group, the Jews, but uh, no one likes us. No one no one fucking likes Jews. 
No, but wait, Driving Miss Daisy won. It did, but but everyone was mad because it beat Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing is the better movie. To but be fair. yeah, Do the Right Thing's awesome. That'd yeah, Do the Right Thing's great. fucking incredible. But but like no no one's like, well, you know, at least it's about no no one gives a shit. No one gives a fuck <laughs> that it was about Jews. Uh, the only respectable movie about Jews to win an Oscar is fucking Schindler's List. Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah, which and that movie's based as fuck. Not a hot take, but. Uh yeah, so he's he's Ryan Coogler's done a lot of great movies. Um, he did not direct Creed three. Michael B. Jordan directed Creed three, who was also Apollo or Adonis Creed. He is yep. al- he also plays Adonis Creed in those films. And I think Michael B. Jordan might like anime. Yeah, because this is what I've heard about the movie because it's like. The the it's like it's like Hajime no Ippo, right? They, yeah, they like, especially they like, the ending. They fight in the mind, right? Yes, they like- the ending is really anime as fuck. Where they enter a mental space where it's like there's pure silence and there's no spectators, and it's just them yelling and punching, and just and and in like Gurren Lagann style, just like slugfest fist fight in the mental world. And I and I just and here's the thing. It's not the best fist fight I've ever seen. It's not the best fight in the mental or metaphysical representative world I've ever seen, right? It's because it's still, you know, still a big tentpole Hollywood film. But it just made me realize it's like, why the fuck don't we get more black people who like anime and the villain is an incarcerated motherfucker with a mean <laughs> jab cross? Who's been in prison for twenty years and is built like a like a why Gundam are they character. fighting? Uh, why are they fighting? Because so he was arrested uh, for shooting someone or for I think for shooting someone or for assault something along those lines. I don't remember the charges because I I I only cared about the fight at the end. It's a good movie actually, but I I I genuinely don't remember. I will say one of the fastest moving movies, despite almost all of it just being like dialogue and people talking about the past and shit. I was actually shocked because I thought we were only 35 minutes into the film when I found out we were 117 minutes into the film. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty... Or, uh, one hour and 17 minutes into the film. Sorry, not 117. Yeah. One that hour was gonna and be like, shit, man. It's like two hours. It, the movie's only two hours long, like, to be fair. It, but... He, so he gets out of prison... And he kind of tricks Adonis Creed into thinking, like, yeah, I'm on your side. Like, I'd really like it if you gave me a chance to be in the ring, to be a contender. And in actuality, he is, like, the boxing equivalent of a usurper king. Like, he uses underhanded tactics to get in the ring and to knock out the heavyweight champion. Oh, dude! One of my favorite sports anime villain archetypes. The Cheater. Oh, Miles, dude. Kurt Basket. Has two, has two encounters in the in the show where they where they go up against cheaters and it's so fucking good. It's so I, fucking good. So dude. the thing is, he's not a cheater. Like, so what he does is he manipulates events to allow himself to get an exhibition match against the the world champion, uh, the heavyweight champion at the time, right? Um, but in the actual ring, he just wins, but he does use a lot of, like, dirty moves and questionable moves, and in particular, he would use, like, at one point, he uses a clinch 
to block the ref's view, even though this doesn't make any fucking sense because the audience would have seen it and the camera would have picked it up. I don't know. But he uses it to, like, knee him in the ribs uh, while the ref can't fucking see. He cuts his face with his elbow at one point. Like, just, uh, like, I Sharpest part of the body. Yeah, I thought the character was gonna fucking die in the ring. Like, like, and so he's actually just a fucking, like, beast in the ring. He just goes in angry and ready to beat shit up, and then when Adonis comes, he's like, yeah, what, do you think I actually fucking liked you? You abandoned me and you left me in prison for 20 years, piece of shit. And so you he starts, left like, me to die. <laughs> you left me to die. <laughs> Give me the prison slop. <laughs> and, and so he starts, like, shit-talking him on Twitter and, and in interviews and stuff to get Adonis to come and fight him, and so Adonis has gotta set the record straight, and particularly he's gotta beat the demons out of him. And it actually does end up in a mind world. And the th- it needed to be completely silent. It had, like, mood music. It just needed to be the Metal Gear Solid 4 before you fight Ocelot cutscene where it's just there's just no music for, like, two minutes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, like, it, it's weird. And I just kept... I'm just, like, this. we just gotta get more black directors into these movies because black directors like anime and anime is just better directed than a lot of the shit these white people are into uh not not in all cases but if nothing else the 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 focus on the emotional space and the emotional world is more interesting and is more different and people don't do that here and not to mention we'll get more villains that are just angry ex-cons or or just like people who are just like like displaced and disenfranchised and are fucking mad instead of like all these marvel movies where it's like like zemo or whatever his name like his <laughs> entire plan is sitting there being like you know I, my family was in cordova everyone had fucking family in cordova that shit that was no one's fucking fault why are you gonna take revenge because you yeah, what because makes you're, you're so special because yeah, your cousin was in cordova when when the avengers 2 happened it's like, oh, what makes you so fucking important? Meanwhile, the only motivation this guy needs is like, yeah, you were my friend, and you and you abandoned me. And that's every anime ever, by the way. That's every fucking, that's fucking Isamu in Shin Megami Tensei 3. Nocturne. It's fucking Sasuke. He's really cool. <laughs> like, Sakura, the, the beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's one of these guys in One Piece who's mad that Luffy didn't, didn't, uh, didn't didn't bring him up with him like <laughs> this is the most anime fucking thing ever is like yeah you didn't bring yeah you left me behind and now I, i'm gonna spend my entire fucking life to becoming your night your worst nightmare <laughs> that shit is so awesome and white people don't do it and they need to i'm I, I, i'm just i'm just playing this up i'm sure there's plenty of movies I, well you gotta and watch Zemo. I, 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 well i think what you what you need, Miles, is you need to watch like, uh, like uh, shows written by, like like the like the the women drama shows because yes. I feel like those have characters where it's like I'm gonna ruin your fucking life, bitch. And it's like, that shit is awesome, by the way. I love I love that that half of Veronica Mars is hateful bitches trying to ruin each other's lives. It's so good. There's just something about. The, uh, what Veronica Mars hits this like beautiful note for me where it's about high schoolers getting so wrapped up in their fucking drama that they commit these heinous crimes. 
Like, these heinous, yeah. serious crimes, and it's just so funny to me. Framing people feels... for like armed robbery or like like ruining their social reputation and credit. It's like uh, it, it's just it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And it's like yeah, Hector. It's like yeah, Hector wants to fucking get out of bull out with Paris Hilton, so he's gonna f- fucking. Make his grandma a credit card fraudster in order to do <laughs> do it. There, there is and, some some insane fucking plots, dude. And you know what the best part of that episode is too. By the way, one of like the major twists of that episode: the grandma knows that Hector did it and is like, "Yeah, Weevil can serve four months. He's only seventeen. He'll get out." Yeah, Hector's you know, eighteen. Like that's the. Yeah, you know, he's an, he'll be tried as an adult. They'll treat it a lot more serious with him. And she's just letting this all happen. And it's like, well, wow, that's a that's a that's pragmatism that's a, for you. I know, dude. That's kind of like that's a, a cool twist on the fucking show. And you know, what I realized too around like episode like six, like five or six of, of Veronica Mars. Like, oh, all the major characters are in grief right now. Yes. Like, which makes it really interesting because Logan in the first two episodes just comes off as like this total, like, he's just going to be a total antagonist dick all the time. And you realize like at an episode like five or six when he makes the, the video for, for the Lily. Bum fights. Yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten to the bum fights yet? No, not the bum fights. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, like when you're talking about the video, all I can think about is is the bum fights. Okay, I'm sure. I'll, oh, I can't wait to get there. I can't Which wait that, to get there. You want to talk about 2000s nostalgia? The word bum fights is 2000s nostalgia. Ve- oh, very. Not to very. be confused with boy fights, the successful video of Job and Michael Bluth fighting each other. Fucking awesome. What happened to us, Sam? We're referencing American TV shows. I know, we're we're broken, man. We're broken. All we talk about is Veronica Mars at 24. (laughs) Well, it's just very funny because, like, like we're this anime aesthetic podcast and we're talking about 2,000 shows. (laughs) But the the problem is that I, you're, you're, you're keeping up with manga, obviously. You're keeping up with manga. Yeah, I read manga all the time. Um, but like, all I do is play Tears of the Kingdom now, like, and watch television with my mother. And, And, and that and 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 that's that's my life at at the moment. And like, hopefully, I you know I I don't want to talk too much about this, but like, Final Fantasy sixteen is coming out in three days. I think. Did you did you just decide to X nay the demo? Like, you know, I'll play it. Or, yeah, or like, I, I'm not done with Tears of the Kingdom yet. And like, a part of me is like, you know what? That's fine. I'll just avoid spoilers about FF sixteen, and I'll play it when I'm fucking ready. Like, I, I, like I'm not gonna treat this like. A, the game's obligation. already out in the wild right now. You're gonna have to avoid spoilers right now, anyways. What's what's one more month? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I'll play it when I'm fucking ready, even if that means never. Like, everyone should do this, by the way. Everyone should just stop buying games and only play them when you actually like want to play them. Because if you wait, the game is gonna be more stable every single time without fail. There'll be b- patches to improve the performance stability and. They're also just also general gameplay updates. Like, uh, uh, did you see? Uh, probably not because you're not a CD Projekt Red fan. But Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I'm at least with- following the Cyberpunk like 
because I'm I'm a big fan of the of the comeback story, like No Man's Sky, like even though Cyberpunk, like I don't I have no empathy for because like that was the most overhyped like game by not even CD Projekt Red, just by people, like like these diehard CDPR fans who just like couldn't fathom them falling prey to what any company could fall prey to, which was excessive demand by their producers. Yeah. Like I have no empathy for it because I just I like I, I, the, I have empathy the for last the gen, and also to the I last empathy, gen ports of that product, game. But yeah, the last for, gen like, ports the of that game really totally are the reason why its reputation is so fucking horrible. Even though it was also very busted and glitchy on PC at launch, and its performance was quite whack. Um, but. When Phantom Liberty comes out, which is like a the $35 expansion, it's got a new area. It's going to have sort of a epilogue-style story that's going to really wrap up the actual... Some remaining plot threads from the main campaign that were kind of left kind of unsaid. Um, But along with the $35 paid campaign is a full-on overhaul that will be a free update to the game when the same day of Phantom Liberty... That is overhauling fucking everything. Like, the skills are being... The skill trees are being completely redone to be way more focused on active abilities and to minimize the passive upgrades. Um, So instead of, like, oh, you get 5% more knife throw damage, it's like, oh, here's, like, an ability instead, or here's something you can do. And then... The passive, and then when you do get a passive up, it'll be like 50%. It would be something fucking worthwhile. Um, and, which, but for the record, Skill Tree, one of my biggest fucking problems with Cyberpunk. I played like 50 hours of Cyberpunk, like, beginning of, end of last year. And I got to the point of no return and ended up falling off because I played, I got stuck doing, I got into the side content. I just enjoyed fucking playing the game. Um, and I think it's really good, but what sucks is you kind of have to, like, get in it. You kind of got to get, like, 15, 20 hours in it before you were able to really, like, build out a meaningful build and play the game in a unique, fun way. You know, you know what's odd, actually? And, and it's a very interesting thing, um, because obviously I've been playing a lot of Tears of the Kingdom, but, like, if you're interested in the building aspect of Tears of the Kingdom, that is, uh, like, alright, well, you gotta put in some sweat equity. Yeah, you gotta you gotta spend a lot of time in the depths, get a lot of zonite, get a lot of charges, and you gotta get up to the sky, get a lot of capsules. And it, and I imagine that it's because the game is kind of intended to be more of a drip feed of upgrades, like to kind of replicate the the classic Zelda formula of like, yeah, you don't you we have items, they're here, uh, but they are consumable items, and. You can only get them at certain points in the map, so as you play, naturally, you're going to get more and more items, but, like, like there's no one-stop shop throughout the game for uh, Zonai parts. At the end of the game, there's a one-stop shop for Zonai parts. Uh, and technically speaking, you can get it at any time, but you're going to have to grind the fuck for those. Uh, but in theory, like, no matter what you're doing, you're probably going to be a good 20, 30 hours into the game before you can e- even conceive of getting that one-stop shop. So you might as well just play the game normally. But, like, that's one of those those things where it's, like, a lot of games do this where it's not quite a grower, not a shower, but it doesn't get there as fast as it, as it 
could, but not in such a way where it's a problem the first time. And it's like a really interesting and almost bizarre problem. Oh, no, I totally understand what you're saying, because like cyberpunk, I think, is a pretty good example uh, or cyberpunk cyberpunk 1.5 or whatever is like a good example of that because the like the in the sort of intro cinematic sort of campaign and stuff is real is the most involved it kind of gets it is in the first like probably like eight hours so like as you're slowly like getting introduced to the world and like vibing with it you have a lot of like main story content that's like kind of pushing you through and it's really interesting the first time but like on repeat playthroughs i can imagine that being a little less like interesting or, or yeah it's it's worthwhile it's, it's odd like i feel like this is an open world thing because breath of the wild doesn't really do this but that's because that game is sort of so mechanically like up front like you other than the champion abilities you got everything you need you got everything yeah. you need from the start pokemon's um, a, a series i always point to with like just re- like it really t- in my opinion it takes me like five or six hours before in like a mainline untouched vanilla pokemon game before I'm, like, really enjoying myself. Because then at that point, I'll have, like, three or four Pokemon. They'll have some decent moves. Like, and I'll be feeling, like, cool. And I'll be feeling good. I actually, and I'm, like, have, to, I actually have to play, like, I actually have to, to choose my moves. And I have to choose my Pokemon wisely. I have, to, I have to focus on making a team. As opposed to when you get your starter, it's like, all right, well, he's got bite. He's yeah, got bite. Yeah, tackle, 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 tackle. Like, and, and, and also, the, the it's like, okay, do I want fucking Talo? This time, okay, like, you know, like, there's not really a, bit, a lot of choice yeah. to, like, so it takes a, a while before for it to get really cooking. You yeah, know? It, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, if you're only going to play Tears of the Kingdom once, it's really not a problem that, like, becoming, like, Zonai God uh, takes a good, like, 20 hours. But, like, on, on my new file that I'm doing, because I kind of want to re-experience that, like, grind, a part of me is also, like... When do I get my homing carts? Yeah, like because I I want to I want to start building, bruh. But but to be fair, if you like you you get a lot of good fusions and a lot of really interesting like shield combos that you see like early on in the game. So it's not like fucking miserable. But like if you want to become like I want to build a fucking tank, and I'm not gonna be able to build a tank for a good twenty hours, maybe more. <laughs> Uh, and and it's it's such an interesting way that open world games kind of like become less enjoyable on replay over time, and it's it's why Breath of the Wild is sort of so interesting now. For as much as as I think it's maybe more like too sparse now that I played Tears of the Kingdom, and I kind of see how they can handle that content with a bit more uh, riz. But like, I, I can also uh, I, Breath of the Wild starts immediately. I think it's the big difference. Yeah. Like I'm 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 playing the version of Breath of the Wild that I'm that I'm going to be playing at the end of the game at the start of the game. Uh it's just that at yeah, one Yeah, it's immediately interesting. You're immediately playing the fucking game. And, and well, that's I'm, what I'm immediately I like. playing I'm immediately playing the version of the game that I bought, if that makes sense. Whereas like with Tears of the Kingdom, like yeah, you see all these crazy builds and shit. Uh, to be fair, again, the the survivalist elements are very in- engaging where it's like, all right, well, I I have two wings. Uh, in a Zonai capsule, and these are my only two wings. Where am yeah, I so you gotta make two? it count. Yeah, yeah like that, that was sort of that's my, my thing. With, and that it's, that stays fun for a while, and by the time it stops being fun, you probably got a, a good amount of shit. But like, there, I think like there's a difference between that and like the Shadow Warrior remake, where it's like 
bruh, the game doesn't even get good until you're halfway down the skill tree. Oh, yeah. Honestly, that's, yeah, that's what, oh, fucking, yeah. And at least, like, that's why, like, you know, that's why fucking New Game Plus exists I, and, and a, a lot of these games, too. But it's, like, really fucking annoying because it's like, ah, just fucking, let me get there. Like, one of my, I really like Cyber Shadow. I think that's a great indie game. But you literally get the best movement ability like the best movement tech and the best movement abilities and it becomes the funnest fucking game for like the last 35 minutes of like an hour and a half game and it's not bad in the first hour but i'm like man i really fucking wish this game had new game plus so i can enjoy all these powers from the get-go because the levels are designed you just around you having them yeah it's like or better yet you just make make the game give give the player everything like i i'm sorry is progress overrated? Like, I, I, this is a stupid question. It really is. But, like, is people's obsession with progress and, like, feeling like, all right, well, I'm putting time in because I'm going to get something back. I'm going to make progress in the game. Is it fucking overrated? I think progress... I think people's idea of what progress is is, is overrated. I feel like... I feel like... Because, like, on the personal level, you as a player make progress by playing the game, by gaining skills that make it easier to deal with later parts of the game. Yeah, I I was thinking a lot about this with, like, like playing a game like Street Fighter 6, specifically, like, the multiplayer, playing, like, ranked or whatever. And, and like, you know, I could go, like, a fucking three-hour session of playing ranked in my rank not really change because I would win games and I'd lose games an equal amount and the way the ranking system works is you need to be a class if you want to rank up you need to be a class above basically everyone in the rank you want to be below um and that's kind of how how it sort of kind of maths itself out um but you do gain progress through play like just doing raw matches like, you are learning and becoming better if you're actually paying attention and trying to improve, and you think about what you're doing wrong. That's progress. Th- that is progress. And the same thing with, like, like you know, like, Dark Souls or something. Like, Dark Souls 1. Like, yeah, you might fight, like, Ornstein and Smo for three hours and stop and claim you made no progress, but you also kind of understand how the fight works, you know, which you didn't three hours you know like but yeah and it's i think it's just the fact that like unless the game because i sent you that video uh of uh, like because on the the tears of the kingdom episode you're like miles these fucking morons are gonna see the word temple and they're and they're gonna pog out and i and i found a video where someone does just that and i made sure to send it to you because it is the exact like they probably stole the words out of her own podcast. I actually couldn't believe it because literally before she sees it, she prefaces by saying, "Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the Divine Beast." Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really. Connect I mean, really by like, the way, I made sure to include that because she says clip. it directly before she pogs out. I, it was, I, you, you, I'm a prophet, Miles. I'm a fucking prophet. Um. I knew it. I knew this shit would happen because fucking Zelda fans are fucking morons. That Example I, number sixty-seven. I I did I did get into like a a kick of like looking at Zelda top ten video comments in particular because that's where the idiots are. 
Like, and especially because dollars to donuts, most of these videos are going to have Twilight Princess at, like, number six, right? Like, number number nine, you know? Where it fucking belongs! Uh, and people are, and it's, and it's, and the comments are just going to be nine-year-olds who are like, yeah, my favorite games are Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, or, uh, you know, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. It's always the, the pairing, the magical pairing, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, or Wind Waker and Majora's Mask, or Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, or Ocarina of God, Time and lame. A Link to the Past. It's like the magic pair. These guys have the same magic pairs. Sometimes it's Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. It is very rare that you see Majora's Mask fans who even respect Ocarina of Time, which is so fucking funny, and I just, I just love seeing these people like who, who are just so predictable, <laughs> and and especially just going down there and being like, yeah, why is Twilight Princess only at number nine? Why the fuck do you think Twilight Princess is only at number nine? I, I, there's a video I, I send. People, whenever they talk about how good Twilight Princess's combat is, where it's it's someone fighting a Dark Nut, and no matter what position they're in against the Dark Nut, he just automatically blocks their attacks. <laughs> like it's it just it's just and 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 you can watch videos of people doing this in Ocarina of Time. As long as the Stalfos' shield is down and you're not in front of it, you're dealing damage to the Stalfos. Whereas it's like. Like, you could literally do the role that takes him, you behind the enemy, and he'll just spin around and block immediately. Like, on, by the way, on frame of contact, there's no in-between frames. He just immediately blocks. And, like, I'm like, why the fuck do you think this is at number nine? Because it's not a designed game. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a flip through art assets and you're looking through an art book. And and I just I don't know what it is. I truly don't know what it is. I just love seeing the zoo, the Zelda zoo of uh and, and, and of and these is, apes yeah, of these it, primates. And it is because Tears of the Kingdom is like so prevalent in the front of my mind, and everyone likes Tears of the Kingdom, and so I can just breathe. I can just breathe easily. Um, I, we do have to record another episode after this. Yes, and I, we do. I want to talk particularly about the one person I know who doesn't even dislike Tears of the Kingdom, but I, but it has a complicated relationship. And like, it's just funny to witness. Um, and, and like, and so I'm getting a lot of Zelda content and a lot of it is just generic, like, oh, top 10 best bosses, top 10 items, top 10 games, you know, just the, the crap that Zelda fans make because they can't. They don't actually play these games. They don't play games. Uh, and and just, just seeing the Zelda zoo of, like, these NPCs who are all fucking identical. And, and maybe it's hypocritical because I'm such an Ocarina of Time cocksucker. But I'd like to at least think that when I talk about the game, it's more mildly interesting than, than just being like, there will never be a game better than Ocarina of Time ever. It's the ba- the greatest fucking game ever made. And, th- like, here's the thing. You'll get someone who's like, Ocarina of Time will always be the greatest game ever made. And and I'll just be like, I don't even agree, but yeah, Ocarina of Time love. Yeah, even though it doesn't need love because everyone loves the game. Yeah. And then I'll click on more replies to see who is the first person to say, just in all caps, overrated. And, and then it'll just get, like, 34 likes, uh, uh, you know, off a comment that had 700. Uh, and mid, then, yeah, mid, yeah, Ocarina of Meh, like, like just, just people. Oh yeah, no, I saw one that was oh oh trash, like, just, I, I just, I love the zoo, the fucking zoo of these people who, you know, they, they there's no opinion, or, sorry, there's, there's no argued opinion, there's no, 
like real like statement or or perspective shared. It's just like I just came to this comment to tell you that I hate you and that I hate your take, and I will do it in the most dismissive. I'm I'm literally taking a shit on the toilet, and I have ten minutes out of my day to just so discord comments like every and that's that's how you handle that's how you cope when you see this crap is you you just know like this is a toilet tweet like whenever you see an especially heinous tweet you're like this was made on a bus because they had nothing better to do this this was made on the fucking toilet because because they needed fucking notifications to come in because they're still corking one out you know it's like that that's how I cope whenever I see this crap is just knowing that that was that response was made on a bus and they're yeah and they never it, intended it, instead for of anyone. doing what real men do on the toilet and listen to Wii U download management OST you you have to go make shitty tweets yeah. on your fucking stupid Twitter account but uh, yeah, with, if you want to cope thirty eight fucking fucking likes hey speaking of thirty eight a uh, number lower than thirty eight you should watch more of our videos. Yeah, go watch our content. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go join our Discord. Link in the description. Post some cute art. Tell us what games you're playing. And maybe leave some Zelda hot takes of your own. Maybe. Yeah, I'm sure. If, that if you feel I'll, so inclined. I'm sure I'll uh, never have heard them ever in my life because I don't spend all day gawking at the zoo. <laughs> uh, anyways, Miles, any last words before we hop off and record another episode immediately after? Yeah. Stay cool, pirates. Pirate pride. <laughs> <laughs>